Starting. We are live. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to a, another episode of Divi Chat. Each week, some of the brightest Divi minds from all around the world get together to share their knowledge and expertise on running businesses and developing websites with WordPress and Divi. Tonight, you're going to be listening to episode 55. As we talk about how to avoid decision paralysis, or more specifically, how to not have your clients have decision paralysis. Uh, so let's start chatting. But before we do, let's meet tonight's panel. Let's go ahead and start with Sarah. Ladies first. I have to turn my microphone on. Sorry. <laughs> Hi, this is Sarah Oates from Endure Web Studios coming to you from Australia. You can find me at Endure Web on the things or endure.com.au. Awesome. Hey, Sarah. How's it going, Leslie? Hi, um, I'm Leslie Burnell of A Girl in Her Mac, and you can find me at uh, agirlinhermac.design. Awesome. Josh Hall in the house. Hey, guys. This is Josh. I'm broadcasting, as Tim would say, from the lovely city of Columbus, Ohio. And you can find me at joshhall.co. You can find all my recent Divi tutorials and my brand new manual transfer WordPress tutorial, which I did get up under Yay! a week's time, which I promise. So nice. Hopefully that helps somebody. But yeah, that's uh, that's where you can find me and interact. Love to. Awesome. Corey Jenkins. What's up, Josh? That was impressive. That would have taken me like two weeks to get up. So <laughs> <laughs> you were my inspiration, Corey. <laughs> Glad to hear that. Corey Jenkins, Aspen Grove Studios and Divi.space. You can find us on the interwebs at those addresses. We are on Facebook, Twitter and other places coming at you from beautiful Mile High, Prescott, Arizona. Arizona's Christmas city, they call it. Awesome. Oh. And I am David Blackman of Divi's Face. Just <laughs> kidding. I'm filling in for, for David this evening, who uh, is getting ready for WordCamp US. And, uh, so yeah, I'm Tim Streifler, and you can find me online at timstreifler.com, divilife.com, and wpthepodcast.com. And uh, yeah, so today we are talking about decision paralysis. Now, this is basically when you give your client or your web visitors too many decisions, too many things going on to where they don't make any decision at all. And so um, I, I think there's really two sides to this conversation. One is when you're giving your clients choices on, on different things, whether that's different packages to choose for your maintenance plan or uh, you know different uh, design mockups or so forth, and then the other side is on your for your actual web visitors. So if you have a e-commerce site having too many different pricing options or too many different call to actions on the page that are you know doing for for different calls to action. So I think we can kind of split that in two and and talk about maybe the client side first, and then go on to more of the conversion side with the actual web design and so forth. Um, so yeah, anyone want to jump in and, and talk about their experience on the client side of things? I can just say as kind of a, uh, a, a good baseline, um, idea to stick to that's really helped me from the client side and my personal side, but speaking to the client side is to not give them broad choices, but maybe two or three choices. So instead of saying, Hey, do you like the look of this? Give them, if you're doing a couple mock-ups per se, or like a couple homepage designs, give them two designs to choose from. Like, hey, which one do you prefer? Uh, what elements do you like here? And that will really help speed things up as opposed to them just saying, oh, I don't really like that design. Then you say, oh, what don't you like about it? We're like, well, we kind of like this and this. Then you do a design, you send that back. And they're like, well, I 
kind of like that, but I don't really like this. And you could, you know, work five, six times as long on something as opposed to just giving them a couple solid options that they can choose from. Um, that's kind of something I try to stick to. Yeah. And yeah. also just to, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you, you go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, just to add to that, don't, if, if there's one that you have an option you have that you don't really think is so great and you kind of hope they don't pick it, don't give it because that's the one they're going to pick. <laughs> so, yes, I so do that not, with, yeah. <laughs> that happens with me all the time with logo designs because yeah. I'm branding and logo <laughs> exactly. designing. Logos are, I'm like, yeah. yeah, I'm like, I don't really like this design, but I should at least put it in there to give them yeah. like six options. And then that's <laughs> exactly. the one I'm like, Thanks. I love it. <laughs> yep, yep. So yep. yeah, just give them the two or three that you love and then make them pick from there. Yeah, I, I think what I've learned over the years is that even though they say and you might think that the client wants to have a a decision in like every point of their project, so they're you know, they're you're redesigning a website. And they might even say from the get go, okay, well I want to decide the colors, I want to do this, so, you know. <clears throat> ultimately that that's not their job. We were we're supposed to be the experts. They're the experts in what they do. They're making decisions all day long, um, you know, up, about their own business. So uh, some people, you know, if if you just approach them, like, here's what we're going to do on your website. I suggest we do this, we do this, we do this. Maybe you have two options here, but I'm doing this because, and you you, you kind of almost make it like they don't um, have a lot of <laughs> a lot of decisions. You're, you're going to cut yeah. you're going to cut down on on a lot of that from from the beginning. Otherwise, if you you know you just send them some some ideas and you say you know kind of from the the beginning you set the tone of well what do you want to do on this page. How about this page? Then they're going to control the whole project. And it's um, th that's when projects kind of start falling apart because we're the, the experts. We're the expert web, web developers. We've been doing this. And, um, you know, hopefully they'll kind of kind of step back and follow our lead. Yeah, if I like not, that one. Then, uh, if not, then, uh, yeah, let them make a bad decision and, and learn from it. <laughs> Yeah, I like that a lot. Be the expert, control the process, you know, less is more in terms of choices on, on different things, if any. And because uh, clients, they'll, they'll speak up if they don't like something, <laughs> you know, you can tell them, hey, this is what we designed for your contact page. If they don't like it, they'll tell you opposed to, you know, here's five different choices of contact pages and, and so forth. Um, because you're right, you know, we are the experts and they are hiring us for our expertise. Um, and so sometimes I feel like clients, they need to um, like they, they feel like they, they, they're like obligated to chime in and like make some decisions and stuff. Um, because it's like, Oh, it's my website. I need to, you know, be the responsible business owner. But if you don't really give them that option, then they'll typically like trust your, you know, your expertise. Um, that's, that's what I found at least. Yeah. I found on that note too. I, I'm such a people pleaser that it took me a while to be able to do that without feeling like a jerk. Like I wanted to let my client be in it's control. It's hard in the beginning, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I felt like, man, they're paying me a lot of money for this. They should have full control. But I found that more and more as I go along, most clients, depending on if they're just an absolute control freak and they have to be involved with every step, most clients are very receptive to me taking charge, me taking the lead, and they just kind of following suit. Like Corey mentioned, just giving it a couple examples instead of you know keeping it wide open. Um, and that's really helped me recently. I know one thing I started doing is I don't even give multiple mock-ups anymore of a design. What I do is I design a front page and a sub page. And then I do a walkthrough video of everything that I laid out instead of having a conference call where we might chat for a half an hour, 45 minutes. I do a video, like a five to 10 minute walkthrough video posted on Vimeo and I send them that. That way, and since I've done that, I haven't had one client change up the look of a site, just, you know, minor edits and tweaks. And so I've kind of limited my client's um, ability to get 
too robust with changes and that's been a huge time saver for me and it's helped them not make as many decisions because they've got enough stuff to worry about they would more than likely they want us to you know handle the web stuff like you said that's awesome yeah because if they're on the call with you then they're gonna you know nitpick and and uh, again i i think clients feel like they need to like oh well what about this and they're like coming up with changes just for the sake of coming up with changes even though they might love it they just feel like they need to yeah. but if you don't give them that opportunity they're watching the video okay yeah you're basically selling them on their own website as yes yeah they're watching it yeah. yeah i i think too it's important um starting the project that you have a primary point of contact throughout um i i think we've all sat in those like you know uh, conference meetings where there's like, you know, you can just like see 10 people like sitting around the table all, <laughs> and it just, it kind of falls apart. So yeah, I think when you kind of narrow it down to that primary one or two points of contact w within a company, it really helps uh, with the decision fatigue because you, you don't have as many, you don't have as many people chiming in with like just, yeah. Odd, odd bits of information that sometimes it can don't really help but it can also be really challenging if you don't have the right point of contact because i've had situations where i have a really good meeting and i walk out and it's like i've got a really clear direction and then i send those changes and all of a sudden i'm getting like this isn't we're not happy we don't like how it looks and it's because there's people behind the scenes who are then having meetings and the meeting that I've had with the one person, like their opinion isn't maybe as high status yeah. as someone else behind the scenes, whether that's a wife or uh -huh. yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so all of a sudden you're getting like feedback that you did the wrong thing. So I agree, but I also like just make sure it's the the right point of contact. I know that's off topic slightly. Yeah. Um, I, I do um, mock-ups for clients where I give them homepage mock-ups and so they'll get like one or two. But I did get feedback from a client that I gave them too many options. So one thing I think I've done in the past is when I've been designing homepages, I'll like come up with maybe a fourth option or something like that and then I get lazy in not wanting to narrow it down and I think sometimes that's on me. Like like you guys are saying like we're the professionals we need to narrow it down a little bit further before we give it to them and the feedback was there was just too many options that i had given the client and so it would have been easier if i had have just trusted myself as the professional and just given two or three options at most um so that was some feedback that a client actually gave to me and that was because when i was doing it i didn't trust myself that i knew what was best for the client so I don't know if I'm alone in that, but sometimes I have <laughs> imposter syndrome and I feel like maybe <laughs> I don't know. Um, and sometimes we just have to back ourselves a little bit more and narrow it down to one or two options and then send that through. But I do the video too and I find that really useful with clients. Well, it's interesting too, like Sarah, you, you mentioned having too, cook, too many cooks in the kitchen per se on a, on a project. Though it's kind of unrelated, it is very, I think, closely related when it comes to decision making because you get more people in there and one decision from one person becomes two decisions from two people and then you're involved and yeah, I can get really messy. I did a project last year where I thought I was only working with one person and then they brought in somebody else and so and they had a completely different view 
about where things could go. And it really made the decision process really messy. And it was a completely different vision than what I had. So, um, yeah, like, like Corey said, I think it's best to try to get that primary contact nailed down from the get go and make sure that does not change uh, as, as much as you can. Cause yeah, that can get really tricky, particularly in bigger companies. I almost yeah. prefer working with a one person business now, because although typically bigger companies have a bigger budget and more, they can invest more. Usually that comes with a whole nother set of challenges as well. I was literally yeah. just saying that to, I've just started working with a graphic designer and I was just saying to her just the other day, I just don't know if I want these big fish anymore because they are so much more hard work and they have so many more opinions and the small businesses really value your opinion. They're happy to treat you like you are the professional, like you know what you're doing. They're happy to take on your ideas. But the big companies want to have a say in everything and with the big money comes big opinions and big meetings and multiple people and I know that's again this is completely <laughs> off topic but I like there is a part of me that would just prefer to go for the little fish and have more of them more money more decisions yeah <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard someone say for every person's opinion that's going to be factored in add 10 hours of, of oh. design time. <laughs> that's genius Insane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Too, too many cooks in the kitchen too many opinions I I forget who it is so I'm telling someone else a story here. It, it was probably someone we know in the Divi community, but they told a story of how they were working with um, husband and wife owners and the wife would say one thing and they would make changes. And then the husband would come back and contradict and want you know, to be the other way. And it was like, they were like, <laughs> they need to I don't know if that was their... me, but something similar happened to me. And so one thing that I started doing after I heard that story a, a while ago was putting it in my contract, one point of contact. Yeah. And, and I think after I did uh, after that too. Yeah. <laughs> after, after how the, the contact changed. I think I need to add that too. you know, one contact all the way through, obviously, you know, something could change on there and, you know, you got to be a little flexible, but uh, yeah. yeah. And even if you're working with like a husband wife type situation, another thing you can do is if you have a meeting with one of them, then write a quick email afterwards and say, just wanted to give you some notes from our meeting today. This is what we discussed so that you've got it in writing to say, the husband has said he wants the color to change to green. So I changed the color to green <laughs> so that then if they come back and the wife like wants to have a big thing about it, that you can at least increase the price to, or they can speak up before you start making changes or whatever. My my wife's a nurse, and so nurses' jobs in in general are to carry out the orders of the doctor. And so she's just complained to me quite a bit where the doctors will tell them all different things. One will say, we want it done this way. And then the yeah. doctor will say, okay, they'll start doing it that way. And then the next one will come in and be like, why are you guys doing it this way? Like, you know, we need it to be done this way. So I told her, I'm like, well, honestly, like clients do that too so it's but, but but the difference is the patient isn't isn't saying yeah. like, oh no I, I don't think you should do that let me talk to my wife real quick okay yeah, yeah okay you remove my appendix now thank you <laughs> yeah I, I think i think every every project is is different and has a different tone and, and a feel to to the project and i think from from early on that is is uh, set with you know. Do you manage expectations? Do you set that that tone very like early on with a client? <clears throat> and to me, to me, this is why uh, we're we're pretty big on like the discovery phase. Which discovery phase? Yeah, it's gathering assets and getting information, but it's also setting goals. What, what, what's your what's your end goal to the project? I mean, really, you know, is the color of the H uh, one tag is going to make that huge of a difference in your overall you know goal goal for your project? 
so to me, you know, I, I've had, you know, projects that kind of fell apart, you know, in the middle towards the end. And in retrospect, sometimes that can all be traced back to the, to the very beginning uh, discovery phase and that like initial tone. I'll say one thing that's helped me too in regards to helping the client make a decision is to just let them know that, you know, we could do us do something in a certain direction and we can always change it moving forward or we can always tweak it. It's a little bit different in a good way for web design because you can make subtle changes moving forward after something's been live than as opposed to if you're doing like a, a printed piece where you print a thousand copies and it's pretty much done unless you do a reprint with websites. I actually just today yeah. I was like, listen, we can go, we can go over this direction and we can try this out. You know, let's give it a few weeks, see how it does, see if it converts. And then we can always change it if we move forward. And that's really helped a lot of my clients make decisions on, on subtle design things. Right. Yeah. Well, like photos, like sometimes in. they get really caught up on like a particular photo and they're not happy to go live because oh, that's the, worst. the photo's that's not quite right. Yeah. But at least you can be <laughs> saying to them, it's okay, we can change this. Like we, if you find a better photo next week, we'll just switch it out. Like it's not a big deal. You're better to go live than not be live. In my opinion. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Cause it's, they feel like going live is this like big commitment where mm -hmm. everything has to be perfect. And, and all of a sudden 5 million people are going to come visit their website just because <laughs> yeah. you made it live. Yeah. If they build yeah. it, they will come. That's the mentality of it. <laughs> right. you know, like, I'm going to be a million. <laughs> as soon as you hit that publish button, you know, the website <laughs> just be yeah visited by thousands of people. So, so, so what would you say is the fatigue aspect? I mean, would you consider that like both parties of a project, like just becoming burned out by, you know, having too many options on the table and like overthinking everything? I mean, if, if I think we're talking clients about feel worn, like feel not so much fatigued, but stressed. Like when you present too many options or continually come back with things along the way, like, you know, okay, now you need to decide on this. Now you need to decide on this. Now you need to decide on this. I think they can just feel like, there's just too many decisions. It's too stressful. They're already doing all this other stuff in their business. And rather than it being I'm exhausted, like feeling overwhelmed by there are just too many decisions to make and I didn't realize I was going to have to do all this. And, ah, I don't know because I don't build websites, so I don't know. And you're asking me all these questions and it's too much. Yeah. Now, that's a really good point because uh, I think Josh said in the beginning, uh, they're business owners. They're making decisions for their own business all day long and so you're right sarah they can like yeah get fatigued by all the choices and everything because um one my my favorite example of, of this is steve jobs and mark zuckerberg both of them famously have their like branded outfit that they wear <laughs> uh, you know it for uh, mark zuckerberg it's like a gray shirt and jeans and then steve jobs it was a black turtleneck and and jeans and that was his signature and it wasn't like so much about like personal branding it was and and steve jobs was quoted saying this that he makes you know hundreds of decisions every single day or thousands of decisions like he wants to eliminate as many as possible. And so uh, what he wore that day, he didn't want to be one of his many decisions. And so, you know, he got rid of it altogether. And so, because the, the human brain can only process, uh, you know, so much and every, like with every decision, like your ability to like, um, 
you know, logically and uh, subjectively compare the options, you know, is weakened uh, with everyone. So I know that's kind of like drastic, but um, I think that's kind of like the root of decision fatigue and or decision paralysis, whatever you want to call it. And at the end of the day, you know, you're trying to serve your clients. You don't want to make them feel that way. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't really think about that from the client perspective as far as them feeling fatigued, but it makes a lot of sense. And I think about, I kind of put myself in their shoes. So for example, when my wife and I got married, our wedding photographer, I learned a lot from him because he really limited our decisions and he picked the best photos. We didn't really get any say in that. He edited them. So we didn't go through (laughs) like a thousand photos. I mean, he really, we trusted him as the expert to pick the best photos and he really didn't leave much in our hands at all. And as kind of a control freak, part of me was like, oh, all right, I guess we'll trust him. But in the end, I really thanked him because we had so much more to do. And yeah, he gave us yeah. awesome photos that we still cherish. So on the flip side. as y'all would have wanted everyone, you know. So. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I, yeah, you go through 3,000 pictures. You're done. It, re- it really is. I mean, cognitive load is, you know. There's a lot of studies that back that up that you need to save your creativity. For, we, we've talked about before where you need to protect your creativity and what you do best, protect your mind power. Uh, but yeah, no, that's huge. And I, I think just limiting the limiting limiting as many decisions as a client has to make is a great way to go for sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I think, think from you go. Oh, go, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think again, it comes down for me that the times when I don't do that is the imposter syndrome thing of feeling like. I can't possibly make that decision for them or I really should let them be involved in this instead of just trusting myself and just doing it and then letting them know what I've done and they can always speak up if they're not happy. Um, But I think when it comes down to it, it is more me than them in terms of just not trusting myself and not being willing to just act like the person who knows everything. Yeah, I, I think I think unless the unless the the customer unless their business like really revolves around their website, like if it's e-commerce, I, I found like a lot of people who are just on a, like a retail front or in the in the service industry, a lot of times you can tell that they're communicating with you like after they they get home and their day is like over. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure the last thing they want to they want to do is like yeah, look at 20 different options. Um, you know, I, it's much more soothing for them to come home. Hey, you know, this is what I think. I think this because this, this, this. We talked about this at the beginning of the project. This is going to help you to achieve your ultimate goals. And uh, that just makes them feel better. I, I, I think a good example of it is like, I, I think probably for the married people or uh, people who've been in like long-term relationships, after we've both like had long days at work and then you're like, all right, well, it's dinner time. What, what do you want to eat? <laughs> and like, that's like the hardest decision like you're ever going to make is like what to eat like you know and uh yeah so, so to me I, I think they're they're burned out they just want us to present some options tell them why it's good and if if there do have to be multiple options and then, then really limit it well and also you know when they if they, if they get in that position where they feel a little uh stressed or fatigued or not, not sure what to pick that's when they kind of might get triggered to pull somebody else in and get their opinion which is what we don't want so it's like there's constant setting up barriers or things to do to avoid a next crisis possibly happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a really good point. I think um, when people are feeling overwhelmed, that is when they're going to ask 500 other people their opinion. Yeah. And they're not even just one Hold person. Hold on, my like mailman's they... here. Let me see what he thinks. Yeah. <laughs> what do they think about this? Let me pull in Yeah, no, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's a really good point that you were saying, Corey, about like, 
giving your professional opinion as a part of it. Like when I present um, homepage designs, often what I want to do is present it without my opinion of this is the homepage I, I would personally go with because I want to get their raw opinion. But I actually, I don't know, it's making me rethink whether or not I should just say, you know, I would go yeah, with this one say, because of this reason. I think the big <laughs> thing there that's... traditionally. That one thing that's really helped me with that, Sarah, when it comes to just showing them like one design is I used to just send a link over and just say, Hey, let me know what you think. But they didn't really get a chance to hear about my process, my reasoning. So with yeah. this, what's really helped me is to walk them through like, okay, and here's the first section. And I put this call to action here because this is the most important. And then we scroll down and we see this information, which is kind of your second call to action. And doing that really kind of makes, I feel like is making them go, oh, okay, I understand. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Let's go for it. You know, it really has helped alleviate a lot of hours of extra development and changes by just laying out exactly my reasonings for how it's laid out. You definitely yeah. want to let them know some, uh, in some capacity, the process and not just, here you go, you know, because that, I mean, yeah. that's just asking for a world of trouble. Yeah. I yeah. definitely tell them the process and I definitely tell them why I've done certain things, but I'm still giving them multiple options. And I don't usually say this is the option that I would go for, which I think I could probably change up. Yeah, I think it goes back to having a, a really clear objective for the website and then every page having a goal, you know, with the way the internet is and um, internet marketing, it's like, you know, everything is about, I don't want to say everything's about funnels, but like, in a sense, it is, you know, you, you want to funnel your, your, your web traffic to certain calls to action, certain decisions, and, you know, through a, a flow of the site. And so if you kind of establish those clear goals with your clients, then you can back up every decision with like what Josh was saying, the call to action is here. You know, the goal of this page is to get them to click over to this page, you know, or to fill out the contact form or to, you know, click the call to action. And so then you can kind of just back, you know, uh, go backwards from there and everything is supporting that main goal of the page. And so then you have, you have basically have some ammo. So when you show it to them, it's not about choose this or this, it's, this is the right option because of this, because of the, the goal and the objective that we talked about and, and decided through before we started the project. Yep. And there's that awkward <laughs> every 15 minutes. It's only because no one disagrees. That, that yeah. might be the, seg the segue into uh, the consumer. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and this section, I don't think has as much discussion element. I mean, maybe uh, I always the ones that I think we can't discuss as much are the ones that we end up discussing the longest. But um, yeah, the, the other side of it is, you know, more from like that conversion side. And, you know, when you have that clear objective on the page, how do you design a page so that you don't give the web visitor decision paralysis and that they're able to, you know, make a decision or, you know, it's clear what the goal is of the page of, of, you know, what that user flow is. So I don't so know. Are you guys... telling me that like those websites that have like 500 buttons on them and like really big colors all over the place that they're not <laughs> the right approach? <laughs> I don't understand. Like, aren't they meant to be 500 sliding things and like flashes all over the place? Oh, Animate oh, everything. Sounds like, a, sounds like yeah, Wings Use Stars or whatever that site is. <laughs> oh yeah, that was like a famous example. Yeah, but uh, this isn't so much decision paralysis, but I guess just like um, paralysis in general <laughs> when you have. Well, a I think it is because when you come to a website, the biggest thing that bugs me about a website is if I don't know what to do, if I don't know where to look, because they are presenting 
five different things that I could do when I first load the page. I think a lot of people who want a website feel like they want to have all the options right, like on the home screen. As soon as it loads, they want to show everything. But the problem is that when people come, they're going to feel like, I don't know which one to click on. I don't know what's the right option. I don't know how to navigate this website. And so I think I've heard it said, if you have three different target markets, instead of having it all right on the homepage, have three different homepages. Mm-hmm. Like have three different places that people can come with one client in mind rather than having everything all there and people don't know what to click on. I think white space is very underutilized personally. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of the design principles I learned early on. White space is your friend. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I, I think a lot too with with um, designers, they think more about the aesthetics than they do you know, the function and, and what the goal is of the site. And I've heard like people say, oh, well, I'm not designing, you know, landing pages or funnels. I don't need to worry about that. It's like, well, you should be worrying about it because, you know, if it's a, a website for a, a business, you know, they have a goal, you know, whether that's to, you know, drive leads, um, you know, drive subscribes, whatever, there, there is some sort of goal, or if it's just to, you know, present their online brochure style website, like there is a goal behind it. And so, you know, things should be kind of planned and and designed around that goal. I I think if we're talking about customer specific decisions and things like that, I know from um, whether it's services or or products or anything like that, I know that limiting your price choices are a good option usually. For example, like my website maintenance and security plan, when I started, I almost did like three or four levels of it. And then as I, before I launched, I was like, wait a minute, that's going to confuse so many people. And they, you know, most clients don't understand what goes in with firewalls and security and things like that anyway. So I just had one security plan rate, like this is my security plan. And that's, you know, it's either yep or no. Um, So that's really helped me too, is to just limit the amount of, you know, decisions when it comes to, to buying, you know, a service like that. And same thing, I've seen some, some web design portfolio websites where they have like six different packages and for the most part most clients aren't going to understand that i really see the value between all the different yeah. ones I, I i probably wouldn't do more than three if you do like a basic you know advanced and ultimate or something like that you know i, I would try to limit that as well yeah i i basically just have one maintenance package and the only choices are how much in advance they want to pay whether they want to pay monthly quarterly or yearly and then it's just a decision of, okay, the value of if I, you know, pay a year up front, then I'm really saving, you know, $400. And if I were to, you know, pay every month or whatever, um, and that, that made it, even though there's still that, that option, it's still kind of like the, the psychological option of like, oh, well, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to like lose money. You know, I should, I should, you know, pay up front. Uh, and I think in that case, the, um, having options is a good thing. It's the psychological, you know, value, um, you know, decision of, yeah, even though I'm going to be paying more, I'm actually going to be saving money and and so forth. So I think in that case, um, I've found that having it is an option when it comes to saving money is, is a good thing. That's good. Yeah. I I think, I think uh, a good episode to relate back to from what we're discussing now might be our, uh, I think it was a UX discussion we had. I don't know a month and a half ago, maybe. Yeah. And 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 I think I think avoiding decision, decision, decision fatigue. Um, you know, really can also come down to, to good UX. And if it's, yeah, if it's presentable and it's easy to follow, 
Um, it's not going to stress people out so much and cause them to like, you know, abandon the, the process halfway through. So if, if there are multiple choices that, that people have to make when, when buying one of your products or services, try to make it simple. So like a step, a step form or like a joyride type of type of experience where it walks them through and, you know, step one, here's two options. Step two, here's two. And, you know, maybe go through a few steps like that. But, but, but it really comes down to, to good UX as well as just like having good options available to, to uh, your, your consumers. And yeah, uh, you know, less is more as far as I'm concerned. Sometimes, sometimes you can't avoid it. Um, you know, like if you're selling cars and you're customizing like the interior and, and things like that, obviously you're going to have a lot of decisions for people to make. But if it's presented well, easy to follow, it's a smooth process, people aren't really going to care. And it yeah. can actually be kind of fun. <clears throat> and when, like in cases like say you have a e-commerce and you have a lot of products, little things like filters can really help somebody make a decision, you know, and not feel so um, like there's too many choices. Um, little things like that will really help, depending on what kind of site you have. But you can think of ways that you can narrow, you know, for them. Yeah, that's a really, really good idea. Yeah, or like recommended products, you know, yeah. most popular products. Yeah, you know, those little labels do work. You know, the whole three-column pricing table and one sticking out or one's a different color, they they do, you know, typically work. Um, so, so, yeah, things like that. Pretty, yeah, pretty and I guess that is helping them be less fatigued by saying these are our options, but this is the most popular or this is the best value or it's that whole thing of you've given the options, but you've also given some direction about what might be the best. Yeah. They're visual cues, basically. Yeah, like the pricing tables that have three price points and or four and one's like most popular and yeah. the other one is best value, you know. <laughs> yeah. Both of those are yeah. both good options. I want both. best value and <laughs> Why isn't the best value the most popular? That right? <laughs> Everyone's getting ripped off. Yeah. Um, Claire had a question in the live chat talking about uh, designers putting a call to actions in that first top header. So like above the fold, having some sort of call to action. And so she wants to know what, if, why people do that, if there's a benefit. So yeah, let's discuss that. Yeah, that's a good question. I was just thinking about that. So, cause I'm, well, I'll admit to being guilty of that. I, I think it works depending on what the industry is probably. So like I'm working with a couple of home inspectors right now. And they're referencing a site that I worked with a fellow or a previous home inspector. And he's getting a lot of success from that just because people that will hear about him will go to his site. And the first thing that they can click on there is request a home inspection. Um, some people are going to want to look through the site. But personally, for sites like that, I like to have that option just in case somebody gets on the site. Like they already know who this guy is or this gal is. They know they're going to want their service. They just want to, you know, contact them in the best way. I like having that option before somebody even has to scroll. Um, but generally what I do on the homepage, for example, is to have that option as a main call to action, but then have it again at the bottom after they've read a little more and they get some more information. Um, for web agencies and things like that, I, I think Claire has a really good point on that because... For most web agencies, I feel like they're going to want to see your work, hear testimonials and things like that before they click to contact you. So I can see that being really a really, really valid point as to just say, you know, hire us right when they go on your site because they don't really know you at all yet. So for yeah. me, before they scroll down, their, their only call to action they have aside from my menu is to click open my promo video and then they can go through and click. Yeah, I think for like the web design portfolio, I like what you said, Josh. I think a call to action should be above the fold, 
because to kind of guide through people through, but it doesn't have to be the final call to action, you know, the hire us now, the, you know, contact us. It can be, you know, view portfolio. So when people go on, they see, oh, this is a a web designer in Austin, Texas. Um, Okay, view portfolio. And it kind of, you know, guides them through the flow. Okay, they're viewing the portfolio. Okay, like what you see, call now. You know, and having different call to actions, you know, guiding them through. So it doesn't have to be the, you know, you land on the page, hire us right away, but you know, maybe it's kind of, you know, a soft call to action. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's a a site I did for a t-shirt company here locally and above the fold for them, it's either they can't, they can click contact us, but the other main call to action is to shop online. So it just brings them to the shop part of the website as opposed to, like you said, kind of the end all. Yeah. I think it totally, it just depends on the the website, what what the company, um, I don't, yeah, there's no blanket answer. I have an, an esthetician in Austin we have to put a book now button right away because people may not, you know, they may be a repeat customer who doesn't need to know her information. They already know they want to go see her. They just need a, the button. So I think anyone depends. who's doing some sort of service-based business, yeah. it makes sense to either have a call to action to contact or call to action to book or call to action yeah. to request call, a whatever. number. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people, that's all they're looking for. They don't want to spend 500 hours looking through the website they just want to know where they can find out a quote or where they can view the pricing I think is a popular one but if it's something like our industry then you're wanting to send them to where the action of the page is so the action for us would be our portfolio the action for um, other businesses might be the about page or it might be the pricing page or it might be the um, the shop but you're essentially wanting to give them quick and easy access to the action of the whole site like the main event whether that's the contact page the shop the portfolio or whatever i don't think it hurts to have a quick easy action when you first load the page to take them to what is the most important part of the website and that'll be yeah, different I, for everybody. I, think, I think a good gauge of um decision fatigue on websites for web visitors one, one of the analytics you, you can look at is the bounce rate <clears throat> Yeah. Um, if somebody comes to your, to your to the homepage and they're completely overwhelmed, they don't they don't know where to go. There's too many options. A lot of times they're just going to back right out of the site without going to any of the the inner pages. So, um, one of the sites I've I've done that has like the lowest bounce rates, it's a, a meadery which sell it's like wine, but it's you know fermented with honey. And so for the most part, people going to their site know know who they are, and um, so and it's view your menu or purchase those two decisions or they can, you know, keep scrolling past a full width header and, and then the menu will appear. But I, I think that's a really good gauge. If your site has like an extremely high bounce rate, yeah. odds are that your calls to actions aren't there and you're not focusing on your ultimate goal of, of customer conversions. So Claire had a good point in the chat too, about maybe putting yourself in the shoes of like a store customer. Like you walk into a store Imagine somebody just walking up and saying, hey, hire me right now or buy this, buy this. So I didn't <laughs> yeah. think about that, yeah. but that's actually a really good way to think about your web traffic as like entering a store. Like, what do you want that person to do? So when my wife and I go to Target, I will probably go to the Star Wars toys. She's going to go to the women's clothes, you know, something like that. So it's a really good, good, you know, thought as far as like in the, in the premise of a website, what do you, you want to give them options of where they want to go as opposed to just jumping in the face and hire me, hire me, hire me. Well, but- you know, and that makes me think of the pop-up, the sign up pop-up yeah. that yeah. freaking comes up right away. Haven't yeah. even had a chance to go through your information and you're, you're already expecting them to sign up. Like chill yeah. out with yeah, the freaking. Joan, Joan just mentioned that in, the, <laughs> in their live chat. Yeah. Exactly <laughs> I was just like, said the God. Pop-up. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, you got to date me first before you ask. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's got to, you got to, you got to sign me. It is a balance, right? Like you want to give people direction. You want to give them support in finding what they ultimately want to find but you don't want to be in their face at the same time. So you have to find the balance of giving them clear options, whether that's through your navigation, through call to action buttons, um, through whatever it is to be leading them forward, but not being in their face and telling them, particularly if it's something where they're going to hire you, I think you want to go a little bit slower. But if it's like a clothing store, you want to like straight away tell them this is where the t-shirts are and this is where the pants are or women's and men's or just come to the store, like have a browse. You, you want to be a bit more direct in that case because they came to your website for a specific thing. So I think knowing what the end client wants will help you know how slow or how gentle you need to go or whether you just need to put it right up there. This is my phone number. Call me. (laughs) This is probably a good time for Tim's famous quote of, People oh, hate yeah. being sold to, but people yeah. love to buy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I think Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend oh, is the best example of that. People I, I was so close to, to unsubscribing to my own friends. <laughs> I'm sorry, Leslie. <laughs> sorry, Leslie. No, no, don't you use Newton? Don't you use Newton for your email? And it it hasn't been help. working. It sometimes it won't oh. remember that I swiped that I didn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then another thing I was going to say was, and now I'm drawing a blank, um, <laughs> shoot, totally blanking brain, brain is all oh, that black Friday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm black Friday out. Oh, we got some more spam in the live chat. Sorry about Yay, that. Hey, spam. Got it. I clicked it. <laughs> I think we all did. We all reported <laughs> we it. All reported. <laughs> I did, yeah. Oh, it's gone. Oh, okay. I know what I was going to say. I like what Corey was talking about with Google Analytics because I, I, I think that's something important. Um, obviously, you know, the more experience we have kind of designing, you know, for those different things, putting the call to actions in the right place, you know, not, you know, asking the, the, the web visitor to marry you before they've even met you. Um, but I think it comes back to, to data. Um, it, you know, if you can uh, test things and have data backing it, then, you know, those are going to be the best decisions because, you know, I, I can design in a way that I think the user is going to, you know, be able to uh, effectively browse the, the site and, you know, go through the right uh, user flow and so forth. But at the end of the day, most times I'm not the end user, you know, I'm uh, someone that's been designing and building websites. And so um, it, that's why I think having like actual data whether that's Google Analytics, looking at the bounce rates, looking at the user uh, flow uh, graph that they have, um, doing A-B testing. Um, has anyone here used Divi's A-B testing? Because I don't I, I think I that's never probably have, actually. the most underutilized. <laughs> of- I've, I've tested it. <laughs> I've A-B tested it. Yeah. No, I haven't. Yeah. But I think the one thing with A-B testing is if you are doing the really small business people like yeah there's not enough that's traffic what, coming I, through it's got to be websites where you've got a lot of traffic and you can visually see that when the button is purple compared to blue then people click on it or when you know you have it with particular wording that it actually makes a difference you've got to have enough traffic to make that work another good tool since you mentioned google analytics is find something that where you can do a heat map hotjar has free a free option where you can um see how people are what how they're acting on your site what are they pushing how many times are they pushing it um you know the uh what browser if they're on a desktop if 
you know, if you're a restaurant, you obviously probably a, you might get a lot of mobile traffic or something. Um, but there are, are tools out there for free that you can see, look at what your users are doing. Pretty cool. Yeah, I was just going to say that crazy. You stuck there <laughs> watching. Yeah, I, I, I love the Google <laughs> Analytics flowchart. It's uh, <laughs> awesome. I mean, yeah. so this, you're, just like, you're like following people through <laughs> your website. And then that's a good gauge. I mean, if it takes them more than, you know, four or five uh, pages uh, to, to complete a purchase, and, you know, you probably got to review your, your process and, and revamp a couple of things. Yeah, I was just going to say Crazy Egg is one of the heat mapping tools, and I think they also uh, will record sessions, so you can actually watch mm -hmm. people's mm -hmm. mouse move through the site. And like, oh, wow. It's, yeah, Hotjar does creepy. the little recording. Yeah, Hotjar does it. Um, uh, lots of tools out I'll there. Put these, yeah, I'll put these in the links in the notes. In the show notes. Yeah, that's a great idea. This yeah. might be changing the topic, but I know we wanted to talk briefly about, as designers, like our decision fatigue. So I was just going to put the question out there, like, what do you guys do to help when you're designing a site, avoid decision fatigue. Cause I know a lot of times I get stuck or I'm like this way, you know, sometimes I feel like I just settle on one way to go, but at the end of the day, it is tough. Like I know when I redesigned my site about a year and a half ago, I loved it at first. And then three months later, I was like, Oh, now yeah. I want to completely redesign this. But at some point you just got to kind of roll with it. I rare, I very rarely feel like, yes, this is perfect. This is exactly how it needs to be. And then I roll. You know, yeah. I point. already want to change mine and it's only been like six months. And <laughs> prior to that, it was maybe a year before I changed it again. But, but yeah, um, I, for me, um, I, honestly, I, I walk away. I have to walk away. I, I'll get yeah. stuck. I'll get stuck and I'll, I'll beat an idea to death. Uh, and then I waste time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I'm similar. It's feedback, Definitely. you know, having my wife look at it and she's not a designer, but she has a really good eye for design and, and she can tell me if it looks good or bad. And she's not afraid to tell me if it looks bad because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you're like, I think it's good, but I've been staring at it for 10 yeah, hours. Exactly. Now. Like, yeah, exactly. We don't see our own work the same way. Other people yeah. don't. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, then you sleep on it and then you come back to it and it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, or the opposite. You come back, you're like, oh, this is good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Or ask someone you trust. If you don't, um, you know, like I'll, I'll sometimes like, like Andrea, you know, so I'm, I'll message her and be like, can you look at this? You know, like, uh, just, you know, if you're confident, if, if you're not sure about something. Yeah. My, my dad's a, a graphic designer and has been, I think pretty much my whole life. Um, and so, yeah, he's, cause he'll, he'll be able to, he knows like the design principles. And so he'll be able to tell me why it's good or why it's not good, which is helpful. <laughs> so I yeah. think having, having someone, a non-designer and a designer friend can be helpful because they can kind of give you two perspectives. Yeah. Some, some, some of the old, uh, newspaper graphic designers, cause they're very focused on, you know, copy to, you know, to image, uh, ratio and white space and, and oh, things yeah. like that. I've, I've learned. I, I used to work at a newspaper and they would sit there and kind of tell you exactly why something isn't going to work, why it is. And, and you listen to them when they, when they told you, you know, decision fatigue can be brutal too. I, I knew, I knew a guy from high school who's in videography and for like five years, he's been talking about doing a website, but he cannot decide on a design or branding and he just cannot commit to anything. It's like he gets started on something <laughs> but the decision feed kills it. Then he moves on to something else. And literally he still doesn't have anything up because he cannot commit. So yeah, at some point it's like, yeah, as long and as it's some good people, enough. They, they really need to hand the reins over to the developer mm -hmm. or designer. You know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think if you're trying to do your own website, I think someone up there who was a meal said um, that he's trying to work out how to move forward with his website. And I think if you're not a hundred percent sure 
then buy like a layout pack or a child theme because those have been thought through and I think that if you're feeling like you're not really sure which way to approach, then that's probably a good way to go is hand that over a little bit to someone else who's done the work of the design and who's done the work of working out where some call to action should be and then modify it from there um, is not a bad idea. Another thing that someone said was about um, procrastinating on choosing like which is the perfect form plugin or, you know, that kind of thing. And I was thinking about me and like to-do lists, like I'm a shocker with like I constantly am changing my like <laughs> what I'm using for different things and then I'll change everything over to like this new thing and then I'll change everything over to something <laughs> else because I or like email apps or like I I'm think sometimes yeah we can spend far too long whereas sometimes you're better off just living with some things that aren't perfect and just rolling with whatever you've come to um, good, but I agree it's hard to work out sometimes which plug-in to go with and then you try all 500 of them and then you spend you like hours and hours unnecessarily. <laughs> a yeah. good plan executed perfectly or a good plan executed is better than a perfect plan delayed. That's right Boom. definitely and you're better to just move forward with it if you're concerned about like which plug-in to use then maybe ask some other people's opinions or whatever, but usually I will go with the biggest name with the biggest good reputation and yeah. usually it'll do the job that I need it to do. I know with membership plugins that can be a nightmare because they all slightly tweak different things and, you know, it can be hard working out what's the exact right one to go with, but um, sometimes just getting some other opinions and then just running with it, give it a crack. If it doesn't do what yeah. you need, with Suck plugins, it if if it, if the plugin is like a major part of the site, not you know, it's just something that adds some you know small functionality. Um, I usually will only choose premium plugins, and I, I know that sounds kind of weird. Some people are like, "Oh, I only use free plugins." It's the opposite because if I'm gonna, you know, build a website for a business and it's you know the clients paying me a, a good amount of money to to have it work, you know, I want to trust that it's good quality code, and then also that the company is going to be there in six months when exactly. we're dates and, yeah. if, and if you need support exactly if you need support you're going to get good support too and so yeah that kind of yeah um i don't mind paying for it and i actually prefer to pay for it so that i can make sure those things are, are yeah i agree and you know they're going to stick around you know that they're supporting their own livelihood and you know it's going to stay updated yeah, exactly. Definitely so worth it. The, sometimes people, you know, because I have my Divi products and um, I have uh, on a uh, annual renewal um, subscription um, or people can get lifetime. So it's more expensive than a lot of Divi plugins out there. But it's I'm that's my commitment to sticking around, you know, opposed to, you know, there's people that have created Divi products that ha have already left the community. And so like the people that bought those products are just kind of, you know, up creek without a paddle. So, um, I, I being on the other end of that for investing in client sites. Yeah. I mean, definitely make sure you, I had an issue with that recently with, uh, WooCommerce when they did their really big update recently, WooCommerce three. Um, I had a site that had quite a lot of plugins because they needed particular functionality and we had used a plugin from Invato market. I think it is, or is it co Canyon? Anyway, the, um, that place. And, there was one plugin and they just were not getting it ready for WooCommerce 3 and it meant we couldn't move up to WooCommerce 3 for a really long time and it was a nightmare. So sometimes it can really backfire for you when you, I mean, we had to use that plugin because it was the only one that had the functionality, but it really bit us in the bum and I would have much preferred to pay an annual cost to one on the WooCommerce website and know it was going to function well when there was an update. All right, 
Sarah, that was a great point. I think we're all a little distracted because <laughs> a, little, a little bit of a troll in the live chat. And, so yeah. and then share. I was on mute yeah. and I forgot. <laughs> we all jumped on him at the same time. I was like, well, I, I never use, I never like do the little chat thing. And then I saw y'all typing. I was like, I want to see. He's <laughs> ten ho. I didn't see it because I was, I, I was a beautiful boy. You're in the zone. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I'm not on Snapchat. No way. <laughs> yeah. So for anyone listening, like on iTunes or whatever, we often get uh, some interesting chat on the uh, YouTube channel that's not uh, real or we love it. And, and it's yeah. really great having people who genuinely want to be a part of the conversation because it can actually lead our conversation in different directions. So come Here's join us awesome. live because it's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's awesome. So I think we are just about at that time enough to go through and all have our final thoughts. So let's go ahead and we'll go backwards and uh Corey, let's start with you. Final thoughts. Final final thoughts. Uh, in a project, just uh, steer the ship um, as much as you think it might um, make your client upset that you're not giving them enough uh, decisions in the uh, in the project. Ultimately, they're going to be thankful, and I, you know, the project's pro probably going to turn out uh, to be a little bit more successful. So don't be afraid to take the bull by the horns and uh, set the tone from the from the very beginning. Point. That's awesome. What about you, Josh? Yeah, I'll, for the client side, I'll, I'll definitely echo what Corey said in, in the way of, you know, controlling the process. For me, it would be limiting their decisions, like give them a couple decisions on something. And then for the designer, for ourselves, for me, either sleeping on it or taking a walk or doing something that's, you know, will clear my mind or get my mind off of whatever I'm struggling with decision wise really, really helps. So for me, it's it's taking a walk, clearing my head up for a little bit, or just sleeping on it and coming back to it. Boom, that's awesome. Sorry, I was on mute. Leslie, final thoughts. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I kind of just agree well with both of them said. Um, I'm I'm kind of in the same same thinking as Corey. I kind of tend to take the bull by the horns on the projects, but you have to walk a fine line. You know, you can't. I, I, really quick story, but I just I. I learned something yesterday. I, I don't know what I did. I have to go step, take a step back and think about this. But one of my clients emailed me uh, in the subject line was all caps. Don't kill me. And she, <laughs> said she, she bought it. It was Black Friday. So she bought a, she's part of a podcast and she bought a podcast, some sort of plug in. She's like, I, I trust your judgment, though. If you, I mean, she was she seemed stressed, like she was freaked out about telling me about it. And I felt really <laughs> bad. you know. So, so clearly, you know, you have to um, kind of tweak. You're, you're going to tweak your process, how you you know, communicate with your clients as you go. Um, but yeah, so uh, I say definitely control it as best you can, but make them feel involved. It is their website. It's their business. So Awesome. How about you, Sarah? Uh, mine would be trust yourself. And I'm speaking to myself in this. Um, but I think just speak up about what your actual opinions are and trust the fact that they've hired you because they really like your work or they like what you've done before. They've looked at your portfolio and they've chosen you. So trust that and trust that they're wanting you to be the leader in that. And they'll, they'll give you pretty clear indication if they're not happy for you to be taking that kind of direction. Um, and when you have a to-do list application, just stick with it. That is my advice. The reason that your to-do list application doesn't work is because you're not doing your to-dos, not because of the application. <laughs> right. But on that, I found a new one. 
It's called Pluto and come join me. Nice. Yeah, I got to move everything over. <laughs> I've heard good things. That's awesome. So, it is awesome. Um, now I know how David feels going last with the final thoughts because you guys all just gave really good final <laughs> thoughts. I'm trying to say something that hasn't been said already. But I would say when you're in terms of decision fatigue on uh, your, for yourself, you know, when you're trying to be making decisions and, and deciding between different things, um, get feedback from people you trust and then trust your gut, kind of like Sarah said. Um, because at the end of the day, uh, the, the differences between, you know, this, uh, choice A and choice B isn't going to be the deciding factor on, you know, whether the business succeeds, whether the client's happy or, or so forth. Uh, because it's like that, uh, the, the, what are they, like the first 98% is, um, or the final 2% is what takes the longest and it's usually the least important. So keep that in mind when, when designing and, and making decisions. Um. So thank you to uh, our wonderful and knowledgeable, knowledgeable panel. And thanks for everyone for tuning in to a, another episode of Divi Chat. Head on over to Divi.chat for the show notes, as well as to watch past episodes. We have 54 other 54. episodes Woo! before today. And uh, also you can recommend topics for future episodes. So we always like getting uh, user submitted topics and uh, tune in next week for another episode of Divi Chat as we discuss more Divi and WordPress related topics. And you can watch us live on YouTube every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. And until next time, take care, everybody. Oh, if you're going to be at WordCamp, say hi. Ooh, yeah. WordCamp yeah. US. Yeah. And we'll be in Nashville. Oh, we'll I'm sorry, Sarah. I, I'm sorry, Sarah. <laughs> I won't be there. And I will cry all weekend yeah. and watch all of the photos and be very excited for you. There's even some Divi Chat uh, t-shirts that we'll be wearing. Yes. So. Yeah, Divi Chat. I think we're, we'll, we'll definitely stand up to give away for free to people at the, the Divi Are you guys event. wearing the Divi Chat or the Divi shirts? I'm torn. Uh, I'm, I'm wearing the Divi Space shirts, okay? <laughs> Yeah, I'm probably just going to be wearing a plain shirt with nothing on. I'm going to wear, I'm going to wear a Josh Hollabach coat. He's going to be in like Mark Zuckerberg's wardrobe. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs>